Welcome to Psych Talk. I am your host, Jessica Lee, a licensed clinical psychologist. It is my mission to motivate, inspire, and educate you on everything psychology, mental health, and self-growth. Although topics discussed on this podcast are similar to therapy, Psych Talk is not a replacement for therapy and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Whether you are a mental health professional or student in the social science field, are interested in psychology and mindset shifts, or are just interested in gaining skills and knowledge to grow into the best version of yourself, this podcast is for you. My hope is to provide you with knowledge and skills that you can implement in your daily life that add up to make a big impact. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Psych Talk. I am super excited for you to join me for today's episode. So today I have a very special guest with me, Robin Smith Velasquez, and she is a licensed clinical social worker. So welcome, Robin. Hey Jess, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you today and have this conversation. Um, so before we jump in, do you mind introducing yourself a little bit about your background and what you do? Okay. So as you said, my name is Robin Smith Velasquez. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Um, I am the founder of Sunshine Family Counseling, um, therapist, uh, Supreme Court family mediator, writer. Um, yeah, I just kind of do a little bit of everything, Jess. <laughs> That's awesome. Supreme Court mediator. That sounds intense. Oh, it can be. Yeah, it can be a little bit intense. So what are your main clinical interests? You know, um, I said, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm a lot older than a lot of our, our colleagues. So they've a little, they've changed over the years. Um, just, they've just kind of changed by, not anything that I planned on changing, it just kind of happened. So when I began my clinical work in undergrad and graduate school, I worked at a trauma center in the county over um, just by accident. It wasn't like, like, I was like, okay, I want to do that clinical work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I ended up in that trauma center that was a center for sexual assault and victims of violent crime and domestic violence. And I just kind of fell in love with it. Um, and with that trauma center, there was, you know, different um, programs within it. So that's where I got my love. That's how I went in criminology. I went, you know, I worked with state attorney and then fell in love with the advocacy of, you know, lobbying. And I would spend every, you know, every year I'd go to Tallahassee and lobby for mental health and, in crime and blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? So it just kind of went all its own ways. You know, that's kind of how things work. <laughs> you never plan. Right. No, yeah. I, I hear that from so many people that it's like, I just kind of fell into this. Like I didn't intend to do this. Yeah. yeah exactly. And then I discovered it. Yeah. I really loved um, being that like voice for people that were not in a part of their journey where they were able to use their voices. So like I said, that was the trauma center. So that was, you know, their first, it was really fresh. Those wounds mm -hmm. were really super fresh. And um, 
and they just many of them weren't ready to use their voice so i loved that part of being a voice for them when they weren't able to so that's where it began now you know fast forward that was like 2006 and 8 and then 2010 was when i you know started my own private practice and so yes i currently still obviously do a lot of trauma patients um i have the contract still with our our local um domestic violence and sexual assault uh, nonprofit here in, in my town. Um, so I still do that, but I also, you know, do the worried well, like, you know, everyday people that just have stuff that come up. So it can vary, or then I could be called into a, you know, a legal case as far as like a mediation, you know what I mean? So it, it can like the gamut changes, but you know, children and adults in trauma is where it began. That's a long answer, Jess, for a really simple question, right? No, but it's appropriate because today we're going to be talking about combining Eastern and Western medicine for the treatment of trauma. So it was very helpful to get that um, background of how you um, fell into it. And I was going to ask how you got into trauma work, but you um, gave us that already but if there's anything you want to add and then i also whenever people come on and um are talking about any concept i always like to ask like how they define that concept so how would you define trauma for listeners i like that you do that too because um well i didn't know that you did that but i do like that you do that because i think sometimes in our field and in just medicine in general you know People will go in and they'll, you know, kind of say these terms that everyday people don't know. We know it because it's like speaking, you know, our own language. You know what mm -hmm. I said? If I sent you into a French classroom, you'd be like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? So I love the fact that you really have people break down stuff because I think that's really important. So my definition of, of trauma is any like psychological or emotional event that impacts a person's life. And, and I do kind of want to go a little bit into that too, because definitely another long winded answer for your simple question. Um, you know, I think a, a large part of society, you know, still thinks of trauma as, you know, veterans and war and, and yes, that's trauma. Absolutely. That's trauma, but but when I say, you know, any psychological or emotional event, that event could be a war mm -hmm. or it could be a sexual assault or it could be um, a person who's been bullied for, you know, a period of time. So that's the event and everybody's event can be different. And, and I, you know, I just don't want one trauma to be minimized because it's that person's event that, and then their response to the event is the response to the trauma. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. yeah. No, I, I love that. And I love that your definition is broad in the sense of like any, you use the term any. So like any psychological or emotional um, event that affects a person, because you're absolutely correct. I see that all the time. Like people will think it's like war or sexual assault and don't realize. And I mean, as somebody that works with kids and teens, like starting a new school can be very traumatic. 
even if it's like a relatively quote unquote good experience, if you've moved and you left all your friends and you're the new person in town and starting a brand new school, that can be a trauma, losing a pet, um, a car car accident. I have a case currently that I'm working that, that is a car accident and it is traumatic. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing, you know, that really goes into trauma is the layers of trauma. And I'm sure we will probably get into that later on, but so I won't get any long-winded, but those layers can be other layers of traumas. You know what I mean? Exactly. So again, that's where my, you know, work began and where it still continues. So, and I say to patients literally on a daily basis, like the legal system can be a traumatic event. You're going to court and, you know, in meeting with attorneys and all of this for the, you know, the assault or the crime that you were involved in. But every time you do that, it brings all of that stuff up. So then you have another layer that's beginning. You know what I mean? So, Mm you know. Most definitely. So um, like I said, a couple minutes ago, we're going to be talking about combining Eastern and Western medicine for the treatment of trauma. So I just asked you what trauma was in your definition. So broadly speaking, can you discuss the differences between Eastern and Western medicine? Yes, I can. Okay. So, I mean, I think we, we pretty much know that Western medicine is, you know, doctors and nurses and therapists treating symptoms with medications and, and, you know, that's basically in a nutshell, you know, where, um, where Eastern is like, I like to say like the holistic approach. And I, and I think a combination of why I love that is because in my academia, I was trained as a social worker. So we very much generally look at a holistic approach. We look at, you know, um, family, the family system. We look at pathology. We look at the community. We look at all of it. So I think that part of my academia, plus my, just my personal love for Eastern medicine and just health, you know, and wellness, I think that combination was was where it all began, you know what I mean, for me? Mm-hmm. But yeah. that's how I define, you know, one is more a holistic approach where one is it's not. Oh, and I absolutely um, love that. And I love that you brought up like your training as a social worker. And I actually had um, Desta on for an episode. Um, it was the second last episode in season two. And both of us are trained as psychologists, like we have doctorate degrees in psychology. And we actually commented on that episode, how one thing that we feel as psychologists that we don't get that social work, social workers do is that more holistic Mm -hmm. approach and whole person and looking at all the symptoms where in psychology, we're really, especially clinical psychology, we're really trained to like, this is the diagnostic criteria. And these are the Mm -hmm. interventions, um, which are very Westernized as you mentioned. Right. What? Yeah. I'll just let you ask the question. I was just going to go into a whole different thing, but no, you, you can go into a whole different thing. That's absolutely fine. What were you going to say? Um, I was just, you know, going to say the importance of, of both of them and how they, 
the the combination of them that's what I, I think is so great you know they both have a place and mm-hmm. you know combining them is why I, I just love it you know mm-hmm. they do both have a place an important place in our in our healthcare. So, so going off of that, how do you feel, or how have you seen utilizing both in your practice that Eastern and medicine or Eastern and Western medicine can really complement each other in general, but also specifically with the treatment of trauma? I think, you know, the first thing that pops in my head is, um, just the importance of both of, of both of them having a place in our healthcare, but, but who pops in my head is um, uh, the body keeps score, Dr. Uh, Vanderkolk, isn't mm-hmm. that how you say his name? So we know, I mean, the data continues to support the importance of movement in our body, not holding on to stuff. And when I say stuff, I'm gonna refer to stuff as symptoms, okay? You know, so, um, so he pops in my head and I just think the, um, I, I don't know, the importance of, of both of them in, in, in their place in the treatment of a human. I think it just works. I, I hope that answered your question. No, it, it, it does. And I guess maybe compliment wasn't, hearing your answer, maybe it's more that both are necessary to treat the whole person rather than complement one each one another or innately it does complement one one another because to treat the whole person we need you know the the medications and the doctors and the therapists doing these very standardized treatments and at the same time need things like movement um i know yoga is a big intervention for a lot of people um and i don't know if it's in the body keeps score, but I know in some other trauma books I've read how like yoga can help, um, with kind of helping release some of those, um, emotional experiences stored in the body, um, related to trauma, um, to the, you know, just getting quiet and still that's so big. And when you think about trauma, because there's so many layers, you know, if you think of the body as layers, so just like, you know, the layer of, it can start from your head to your toe and where is it going to sit? And so in yoga, when you have to get still, or you're going to number one, what be able to watch your breath. So we know, you know, how breathing affects, you know, positively or negatively the nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system, right? So if you're still, you're going to be able to kind of watch that and kind of, you know, check in on that. And then the other thing about that is about being still, whether it's with yoga or meditation or even movement, you know, even in movement running or exercising or whatever, the, um, how you're able to be aware more so of your thoughts, you know what I mean? Because nothing, the one thing we know isn't going to change is thoughts give feelings and feelings give actions, right? That's just the simple breakdown of how our bodies work, right? Right. So, and if you're able to be still enough to catch the thoughts that are given the feelings, which then the feelings turn into not so great actions at times, then, you know, can you see where it kind of, where it just kind of works and, and just is a good combo, right? 
Oh, definitely. And um, when you were just talking about that going kind of on the westernized size, we do have like um, mindfulness-based cognitive behavioral therapy, um, which does pull, I mean, like mindfulness, for example, is traditionally an Eastern intervention. It stems from Buddhism and we have very much westernized it in many ways. Um, But you talking about that, yeah, if you are still, if you are aware, if you're being mindful, then you can acknowledge what your thoughts are. And I know for mindfulness-based cognitive behavioral therapy, the whole premise is responding rather than reacting. So when those thoughts come up, you can respond to them because you are in that mindful state and challenge anything that's maladaptive or unhelpful in turn, hopefully promoting a better action rather than a non-helpful one. That, um, you know, that is a tool that I give out often. Um, So I call them like brain works or homeworks in my office, okay? So obviously in trauma, there, have become very reactive. I think our society in general is really reactive. So I'm not just going to say that it's people who have experienced traumatic events. I think society in general is pretty reactive. I would agree. um, And I really want to see people, you know, that change. I hope that I see that change in my lifetime. I doubt it, but you know, I can be hopeful, right? Right. Positive outlook. Yeah, exactly. So one of the tools that I give to really work on that, as I say, the only time we need to react is if we're on fire. And for the most part, you're not on fire. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So asking yourself, like, am I on fire right now? No, I'm not on fire. Let me check my thoughts. You know, and then it just kind of like is a layered thing you know once they check their thoughts then they can say is there any evidence to this is this a fact is this just a feeling thought you know so am i on fire is um a way to kind of help with becoming less reactive and more responsive i love that i haven't heard that before but it makes total sense because yes like if you're on fire you need to react quickly otherwise you're gonna burn but in most circumstances when we as we as a society broad we are reacting it's not a time that the trigger necessarily requires a reaction there's time for a response yeah and I even say I I will ask the you know the patients I'll say what do we call law enforcement or um you know ambulances you know, I'll ask them that question and they'll sit there for a second and they'll say first responders because mm-hmm. they have no idea where I'm going with it. Yeah. And, like, no. and I'll say, they'll say first responders. I'm like, absolutely. That's what we call them. We don't call them first reactors. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because they pause for a minute and they're like, they're assessing and then they do something. You know what I mean? We don't call them first reactors. Because- I-, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. So you just talked about, um, like mindfulness. Um, what are some other specific interventions and you can do both Eastern or Western, um, that you utilize in your practice, uh, specifically with individuals who have experienced trauma? So one of the, as you ask that question, one of the first things that comes to my head is balance. 
and that seems so broad and vague and I'm definitely going to go into that a little bit because that's just such a kind of cliche clicky word that let me just go into that okay when again we talked earlier about the layers of trauma you know mm -hmm. what I mean it's usually not just one thing like there's that one thing and then the other hundred things that come after it you know what I mean yes and and so over the years, when I have patients that come in, um, one of the things that I've really seen in common with the majority of them is them being really out of balance, you know, um, because they are in, they have experienced a traumatic event. So regardless, I mean, of what, whoever the patient is or what they're coming in for, usually that trauma is the the big component of their life and it's occupying so much of their life. You know what I mean? And even when they're trying to not have it occupy so much of their life, then, you know, something happens and it gets pulled back into it. So they, you know, we, we see them neglect themselves. We see them neglect relationships. We see them neglect, you know, um, their stuff that maybe they once did in, in, community, I call it like their contribution, you know what I mean? So, so as you asked that question, that was probably, that was really the first tool that, you know, came in my head was after addressing, like when anybody comes in, obviously I address, you know, the medical piece first, you know, we have to rule out any kind of pathology or, or mm -hmm. chemical stuff, you know, that's a, just a given. And so after I, we address that, and I know that we're good with that. Then one of the other things, the one of the first things is really trying to get them back to a balanced state. And so the tool that I really use for that, I call it the four squares. And um, and you know, it's just really four squares. So I've like, you know, so in one square is mind, body, spirit. The next square is career, finance, and education. The next square is relationships and the next square is contribution. So what I encourage them to do is to devote like a minimum of 20 minutes a day in each of those squares so that they're starting to kind of, you know, do a little transition out of the majority of their life being in that, you know, consume with that traumatic event. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I love that. Mm -hmm. um, is that something you came up with on your own, the four squares? Um, I, I can't take a hundred percent credit for that. I had done a personal growth uh, workshop. Well, I did like th three steps to this intensive personal growth workshop years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and they had something similar. It wasn't called the four squares. I just named it the four squares because I couldn't think of what it was called then. And then I just tweaked it um, my own self. So I called the four squares because when I like am explaining it to patients, then I, I just make four squares on a piece of, you know, no, notebook paper or whatever type of paper I have in my office at the time, you know? Yeah. So I call it the four squares. Maybe I should like, you know, say, yeah, the four squares by Robin Smith. <laughs> no, I, I just love it. And kind of, um, it allows individuals from what I heard you say, really identify like where they're putting most of their time 
energy and effort and where they're neglecting in their life by um, encouraging them to do 20 minutes a day in each square to help them get back to that um, balance. Cause I'm sure even people that don't feel like they need therapy, although I would argue everybody benefits from therapy, even if it's not every single day, I would argue that most of us are off balance. Yeah. And I was actually just going to say that that's a tool that I don't just do with, with people who've experienced trauma. It is, I think, again, you just like our society overall reacts. Our society also is overall really out of balance. And Mm -hmm. so that is a tool that, that I utilize often in my practice. And so how, you know, when I'm seeing the when people come in, I'm seeing the um, effects of the not being balanced. So for mm-hmm. example, if somebody is spending all of their time in career finance and education, naturally their relationships are gonna be deficient or their contribution to society, what they're giving back to society or they're you know, gonna be deficient in their own self-care. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. if I have- and that's all in relationships, then all the other thing, they're going to be deficient in their mind, body, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's a, it is a pretty good tool. I love that. Are there any other um, tools that you utilize that you want to talk about or highlight? Um, I, I mean, the mindfulness, obviously, you know, and, and then just the changing cognitions that go along with that being mindful that being the eastern part of the medicine and then the western part of changing the cognition you know what I mean once you've been aware of what it is then then how can we change it you know what I mean um Mm -hmm. so that obviously is huge that's that's just a that seems like a given to me and you so it's probably not a given to everybody but um that's that is one that's always used um re you know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that you said it's probably given, but then also said, but probably not to everyone, because I think us that are in the therapy realm, we think a lot of this is very intuitive because it's been drilled in our brains <laughs> forever. Um, but for many people, you know, that even possibly people listening to this, like sitting in a mindful state, being aware, and then knowing that they can recognize their thoughts and start challenging them might be a foreign concept. Um, And I think that was also what you just said was a very good example of how the two integrate with one another. Mm -hmm. You have the mindfulness, which is the Eastern aspect, and then the challenging cognitions, CBT, um, from Aaron Beck. So exactly. In the, um, um, so I know we've mentioned like mindfulness, we've mentioned the four squares, uh, yoga exercise. So if someone's listening and like interested in just getting started with some Eastern practices, um, whether it's for treatment of trauma or just in general, because they're like, okay, I've tried, you know, the more Westernized medication, things like that. What advice do you have or any, um, tips on how people can get started? Okay. Again, um, the first thing that comes to my head is, is balance. I really believe in, in my heart and what I practice in my own practice is that both approaches have a 
place in our healthcare landscape. They really do. And so when I say balance, I mean that their way of thinking, like, like it doesn't have to be all Eastern or all Western. Mm-hmm. And so if they can just start there, like, okay, maybe I can get something from this, from Eastern and something from Western, the all or nothing, we know that is a distorted think, thinking mm-hmm. pattern. So that first step of that, I call it stinking thinking, you know, <laughs> that all or nothing thinking. It doesn't have to be all one way, all Western or all Eastern. So if they are, you know, saying to themselves, okay, Western really hasn't worked for me. Um, let me try Eastern. I would encourage them to, to not just do that, like combine them because mm-hmm. they both have a place and, and leaving it up to, you know, or, or consulting with, experts in the field you know what I mean um looking for therapists or you know practitioners that that do have you know that integrate both philosophies and in types of medicine you know what I mean Mm -hmm. oh and I love the encouragement not to think in black or white because I do think a lot of people on either side it's like you know I 100% believe in medication and um, I have to do very standardized therapy interventions and go by the book and X, Y, or Z. And then we have another camp that's, I would say, and correct me if you've had a different experience or if I'm wrong, but like with the term holistic, a lot of times I feel like people tend to think holistic is just Eastern rather than how you and I would conceptualize holistic as whole person integrating all these aspects to treating the whole person. But that's when we see people that only do like herbal remedies and acupuncture and never see a doctor that does more traditional Western medicine. So I really love that you said it doesn't have to be black and white and you can incorporate both, whether it's to address your trauma or whether it's, you know, just because you want to gain a more balanced life, since that seems to be the theme of this um, episode. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so true. What you said was really, really true. It's hard to find people that really can be open to, you know, having both, both modalities in their life, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, and so that's where I would begin for anybody is just having the awareness that it, that both, both types of medicine have a space for their healthcare wellness. Mm-hmm. That's what I would, that's where I would begin. And one thing that just came up for me when we were just talking about that is Um, not only the integration for like the overall wellness, but there might be aspects of a person's life where they're leaning more towards Eastern medicine and other aspects where they lean more towards Western medicine. And that's okay as well. Like, you know, I, when I, I, this is just the example that popped into my mind, you know, somebody might say like, if I have a headache, I would rather do more like natural um, herbal remedies or just like drink water and move my body. But if it came to another medical 
intervention, I definitely want to seek a doctor to do, you know, a prescription medication. And I think that's another way to conceptualize and integrate as well. Like they can complement each other and there may be aspects that people lean more towards one or the other, but still utilize both for their overall health. 100%. I agree with that too. You know, and I think too, personally from myself on, on how, when I'm doing treatment is I, I do look at symptomology, you know what I mean? So, you know, if you, you use headaches, so if you have like a headache, okay, so maybe you could use like some ice packs or, you know, just quiet time or whatever. But if you have a migraine, that ice pack, maybe not, it's going to work. You know what I mean? So maybe then you need Tylenol or, or whatever it is that you need. So again, it goes back to that, not that all or nothing thinking or stinking thinking, black or white mm-hmm. thinking, whatever you want to call it, you know, um, just being open to what, how your symptoms are affecting your life, what you've done to um, minimize or reduce symptomology and if it's worked or not worked, if it hasn't worked, then obviously we need to do something different. You know what I mean? So if you've tried therapy, you know what I mean? And, and you're still having symptoms of depression that are impacting your life in a way that, you, you know, you're not living your best life, then, then we probably need to do something else, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And when you just said that as well about like the headache versus the migraine eight, for me, it came up, um, the idea of just like coping and how certain coping skills will work in some situations and not in others. And like bringing it back to like the Eastern versus Western, like, you know, mindfulness may work, um, for somebody when they're like really stressed at work and they just need to take a minute for themselves, but it may be an ineffective tool if they're like in the midst of a really traumatic event. Oh, absolutely. Um, And so I don't know, that just came up for me as well as another way to kind of have that flexibility. Right. And I have people tell me that literally all the time um, who have panic disorder, you know, or, or anxiety disorder, they'll, they'll say, you know, they will say to me all the time, like, you know, uh, Tuesday, I utilized my coping technique by reading blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And great. And then, you know, on Friday, I, I had a full blown panic attack and I wasn't able to utilize my, you know, reading. <laughs> yeah. Because your, your brain's not working in that, you know, same place. So, um, so yeah, depending on where the person's at. And that's why when you asked that one question earlier in the session or in our interview, it was kind of hard to, to answer that because there's so many, everybody is different. You know, it's not like a cookie cutter, answer mm-hmm. for most of these questions you know I could go like I could go on and on about different things that people say and um but but that is one of them is that you know coping might work for this particular day in this particular situation but in you know during this particular situation it just isn't going to hmm So kind of going off of um, what you just said about like, 
you know, questions I've asked and things can go in so many different directions as we're getting close to the end and wrapping up. Is there anything in particular I've not asked about that you really want to touch on with regard to this idea of um, combining Eastern and Western medicine for trauma? I don't know that there isn't, that there is anything that you haven't asked or that I extra want to touch on. I think probably just reminding again, the importance of being open to not having, you know, one or the other being open to a a collaboration um, so that they can live their best life. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So here's another tool that, or thing that I say in sessions all the time is like, okay, what's the end result you want? So, So sometimes we have to start from the end for the most part, you know, again, we're trained in treatment plans, right? So mm-hmm. what, what's the, what's the goal? And then what are the steps to make this goal happen? So, but sometimes in, when I'm working with patients, we have to start by figuring out what we even want. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? What, until we can figure that out, we are not going to know the steps to get there. So if a person is saying, you know, Robin, I, I really don't want to, you know, keep, being scared to leave my house. Okay. Um, okay. Now where are we going to start with that? So what, knowing that now, what are the steps, but sometimes people don't even know what their end result is, is that they want to have happen. So we have to start from the back and, and go backwards. Mm -hmm. Oh, and I see that all the time too. Like the amount of times I've asked people like, what are your goals for therapy? And they're like, I don't know. And so then maybe after the intake, the first session is trying to identify those goals so that we can then work backwards and make a plan um, exactly. right. to attain those goals. Like how are you going to get there? Exactly. Um, so thank you so much, Robin. This has been a great discussion and um, I've learned, I've learned a lot from you, like the four squares, I'm going to take that and um, implement it into my practice. But if people out there listening want to know how to connect with you, where can people find you or connect with you? Um, TikTok is my very favorite platform. Um, that's where probably I'm the most active to be, you know, I'm, it's busy, Jess. So um, <laughs> social media takes time, right? Yes, it does. So TikTok is Robin Smith Velasquez underscore at LCSW and Instagram is um, PG therapist. And I will put the links to both of those in the show notes. Um, But like I said, this was a great conversation, Robin. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk with me. Um, I really enjoyed it and I have learned a lot. So I know the listeners will learn a lot too you just so much for having me. It was great. And thank you all for joining for today's episode of Psych Talk, and I will catch you in the next episode. Bye. This episode of Psych Talk was brought to you in collaboration with Dive Through. Dive Through is a mental wellness company that helps you dive through what you go through. Dive Through has an introspection app, which includes guided breathing, journaling, and reflection. I have been using the Dive Through app for almost a year now, and it really helps center me when I'm feeling overwhelmed.
Their website includes blog posts on a variety of topics from emotional well-being to personal growth to parenthood and the LGBTQIA community. They have a free anxiety guide created by two licensed mental health professionals, as well as other mental health podcasts. To download the app, click the link in my show notes, and for more information, visit divethrough.com. That's D-I-V-E-T-H-R-U.com. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Psych Talk. I hope you found so much value. If you loved what you heard or gained some knowledge, I would love for you to take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram stories, and tag me at Jessica Lee PhD. Additionally, I would be honored if you leave a review and five-star rating so I can continue to help this podcast grow. If you are not already, follow me on Instagram and join my Facebook community, Grow Through What You Go Through. Thank you for joining me today, and I cannot wait for you to join me during the next episode. Remember, you are loved, you are worthy, and you are braver than you know.